Thank you for tuning in to the podcast of Western Heights Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. We exist to exalt Christ, equip the church, and engage the community. For more info, visit whbcwaco.org. Uh, let me remind you that today has typically been called Palm Sunday. This is the day when we celebrate the, the, the day that Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. And this is an important day for us because this is the day that we begin to celebrate Holy Week as we prepare for Easter. Now, obviously, Easter is going to look a little different this year than what it normally looks. We are not going to be able to gather together on Easter Sunday uh, in this facility. This is the first time it's ever happened in my lifetime, and I don't know if it's happening in any other person's lifetime. But nevertheless, I want you to be encouraged I want you to be persuaded that we are still going to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord next Sunday. But today we look forward to the Palm Sunday. We look for that day that when Jesus triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 17 as we look at these words this morning. And I want to look at them under the heading, Who is this Jesus? And Matthew writes in Matthew 21, 1 through 17, As they approached Jerusalem, he's talking about the, the, the disciples and his followers, As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to him, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a coat, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer. But you are making it a den of robbers. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the area, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Do you hear what these children are saying? They asked him. Yes, replied Jesus. Have you never read from the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise? And he left them and went out of the city to Bethany where he spent the night. I want us to look at this passage of scripture and I want us to consider it with the question that was raised by the people. Who is this? And I want to reflect upon this experience that Jesus had on this his triumphal entry into Jerusalem and just ask that question, who is this Jesus? Who is this Jesus that 
that divides people. Who is this Jesus that changes everything in the world? Now Matthew uses this passage, and Matthew says that Jesus entered Jerusalem in a particular way to reveal an important truth. Jesus came riding into Jerusalem as a king. He came riding in, announcing his kingship, but very few of the people actually recognized that uh, Jesus was a king. And Matthew points out that Jesus was coming in fulfillment of prophecy, a prophecy recorded in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, which says, Say to the daughter of Zion, See, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So Jesus came in as the king, but very few recognized him. So who is this Jesus? Who is this one whom we celebrate today? The first thing I want you to see, and there's four ideas I want you to share with you this morning. First is Jesus challenges men's misconceptions. The text says that Jesus entered in to the, uh, into Jerusalem, and the people were shouting. The people were praising him. The people were saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They were honoring him. Some were laying their robes down over uh, on, the, on the street, on the road as he came in. Others were stripping branches from palm leaves and laying them down on the ground, kind of rolling out the red carpet in our day and age. They were giving him honor. They were giving him prestige. And that they, were, they were shouting Hosanna, which is giving him the glory and honor belonging to him. And Jesus, God saves, is what they're saying in this context. And, and we see this at the whole city. In verse 10 it says, Everyone in the city of Jerusalem asks, Who is this? Who is this one? Perhaps they gave him the honor, they, they honored him for coming in because his reputation had, had spread. Maybe they had heard how he'd made the blind to see. He made the deaf to hear. He made the lame to walk. Maybe they had heard how he had raised Lazarus from the dead. And maybe as he was making his way into Jerusalem, they were hoping that, that he would lead them to victory. They were hoping he would usher in something new for them. They were looking for a military leader. Uh, they were looking for someone to deliver them from that. So they were looking for this, and so they were giving him the praise. But how soon would things change? How soon would, would this attitude of these people in Jerusalem change? No longer would they be shouting Hosanna. Instead, they would be crying out, crucify him. No longer would they be laying the palm branches down on the street. Instead, they would be hollering out, give us Barabbas. We want Barabbas. Why did they change? What happened from Sunday to that Thursday? What happened in between that time? Why did they, or that Sunday, that Friday, what happened? Why did they do that? Maybe what happened is that Jesus did not live up to their idea. They had misconceptions about Jesus. Because, see, he was not a military leader coming to, to set them free from Roman authority. Jesus came to die upon a cross. He was not a conquering king that was going to set them free. Instead, he was a suffering servant. Jesus was not one that uh, was going to come and deliver them from Roman authority. Instead, he was going to deliver them from their, their sin. 
You see, they were wanting a revolution. They weren't wanting redemption. They will want freedom from Roman oppression, not freedom from sin. And so the deliverance that Jesus was offering them wasn't going to be won in the courts, wasn't going to be won in, in the palaces. It was going to be won on the battlefield of a person's heart and not on the streets of Jerusalem. And that's not what they wanted. That, that was not what they wanted. He's saying, I'm a king. But my king is not, kingship is not of this world, but my kingship is going to last forever. It's going to last for all eternity. And so Jesus enters into Jerusalem and he challenges men's misconceptions. He challenges these false ideas that people have of Jesus. And can I tell you today that Jesus still challenges our misconceptions? He still does that. There are many people that, that think if they come to Jesus that he will exempt them from the problems and difficulties of life. But they soon find out that's not the kind of king he is. That's not kind of the Lord that he is. There are some that think that Jesus, if they come to Jesus, that he will eliminate them from the consequences of their sin. But they soon find out that's not true either. And there are some that think that Jesus will come and, and he'll release them from the sin and make no demands upon their life. But they soon find out that's not the kind of king that he is. A few years ago, I was witnessing to an individual, sharing Christ with an individual, who asked me a very pointed question. He said, if I come to Jesus and receive forgiveness, can I continue in my sexual proliferation, and can I continue in my sinful ways? You see, he didn't understand that when you come to Jesus, he's last to be Lord of your life. He's asking to change. You see, this individual, he wanted forgiveness of his sins, but he did not want to change his lifestyle. And so many people have this misconception about Jesus, that if I come to Jesus, I don't have to change anything. That's not the kind of king that Jesus is. He wants to come into your life, and he wants to change your heart. And so Jesus is still the king who challenges the misconceptions that people have of him. The second truth we see in this passage, not only does Jesus challenge men's misconceptions, but Jesus confronts the secularism that we see so prevalent. This passage talked about the temple experience that Jesus had. He rode into Jerusalem, and then he makes his way immediately into the temple. And it says when he got, gets into the temple, he finds the temple being abused. He finds people there that are abusing the poor. They're abusing the, the outcasts of society. They're raising the price of the temple sacrifices, and they're making profit. And so Jesus, in anger, he casts out the money changers. He throws, throws the tables out, and he rebukes them. He says, it is written, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And what they'd done is they'd made a sacrilege of the temple. They were abusing the original purpose of the temple. They were using their worship, they were using their, their religion as for personal gain. They were using it to line their pockets, they were using it to, to fleece the people and make it for their benefit. And so Jesus confronted that kind of secularism in his day. He said he came into Jerusalem, he came to the temple and set things right. He set them for the way they were designed to be. And can I tell you that Jesus still confronts the secularism that is so prevalent in our day and age today? Uh, there are still men and women 
that have the inclination to make merchandise of the religion. So I'm going to give a disclaimer right here. For those of you that have been listening to me preach for, for many years, you know that I don't uh, fudge around the corners. I pretty much just go straight to the heart of the matter. Jesus still confronts our secularism today. Uh, I have seen this in, in, in church. I've seen it in ministry. That many times I will go uh, try to purchase something, and uh, when they find out that I'm a pastor, when they find out I'm a follower of Jesus, they say, oh, well, I'm a Christian too, and I even go to such and such church. And they're saying that because they think that will help them make the sale. You know what will help them make the sale? Give me the best price available, not because you're a believer. But they look at that and they're trying to use their religion for gain. They're trying to use their religion for profit. I've seen it happen in my own ministry. People will call and they're asking information about your church or they're asking information about your city. And then you give them that information and they wind up, they come and they go to a different church other than the one that reached out to them. And then you find out, this is a true story, you find out that the reason they joined that particular church because it would be good for business. Because everybody who's a mover and shaker goes to that church and it would be good for them to be in that. They're in it for a buck. It makes them look good. I'm not here to condemn or to condone. I'm just reporting the facts as we see it. It happens in our own churches. Uh, we do that. How many times have, have you heard people say, well, pastor, you need to make sure you visit that family because they can bring good money to the church. Listen, we cannot as a church, we cannot as believers show favoritism to one group because they might benefit us financially to the neglect of another group. We can't do that. If we do that, we are doing nothing more than what Jesus condemned that day. And we see it all the time in churches where we are. I've had people say, now, Pastor, you need to remember who pays your salary, as if bowing down to them is exactly what God would have us to do. I've heard individuals, not, not in this church, thank God for that, I've heard a church say, we can't really focus on youth because they don't bring any money into the church. You see what we're doing? <laughs> that is a modern-day form of secularism. And Jesus confronts that in this day and age. Now, let me come at it from one other angle. One more opportunity. This is really going to ruffle some feathers. But I got to thinking about this today. One of the things we're waiting for with this coronavirus is we're waiting for a cure. We're waiting for our, 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 our chemists and our, our, our biologists and all these people to come up with a cure so that we don't have to worry about this. You know, we have a cure. The cure is Jesus, obviously. But here's the thing that has interested me. I have not seen one faith healer step up and say, we can solve this. We can heal this. You know why that is? Because there's no money in it. There's no profit for them. If you are a genuine healer, if you believe that God has given you that power and that ministry, you ought to be going to every hospital and every place and saying, I'm healing this disease in the name of Jesus. But you know why you don't hear that coming out of the media, out of that? Because there's no profit in it for them. Now, I'm sorry if that offends you. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. But this is what God was, this is what Jesus was condemning. People that are using religion for their own benefit, for their own purpose. Let's face it. Sometimes we still have the tendency to secularize our religion and use it for our own personal gain. And Jesus confronts that by word and by deed in this passage today. 
Let's look at the third truth revealed in this passage. Third, Jesus rebukes the self-righteous. Jesus restored the temple to its original purpose. It was to be a, a place of praise, a place of prayer, a place of proclamation. Wouldn't that be great if, what the, if that's what the church was used for today? Praise, prayer, and proclamation. Those are the three things we need to restore to God's church today. Praise, prayer, and proclamation. So Jesus comes in, drives the money changers out, and he restores the original purpose of his temple. Notice what happens. The minute Jesus drives the money changers out, he overthrows the tables, and he condemns them. That's what happens. It says in verse 14, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple. You almost get the impression that they didn't have access to the temple before. Why? Because it was commercialized. The very place they could come and receive the healing and receive the love and receive the compassion that they so desperately needed was because the church had commercialized their religion. So Jesus, these people come, and it says that Jesus welcomes them there, and he heals them. We look down later on in, in verse 15. It says that the children were shouting in the temple, Hosanna to the Son of David. They were shouting. Uh, they were doing things that previously they had not been able to do because of what was going on in that. So we see that the blind, the lame, the outcasts of society were coming. Uh, the children who were supposed to be seen but not heard, they were shouting in the temple, how dare they? How dare they raise their voices in the temple? They had no respect. Look at what it says in verse 15. It says that when the, when the temple leaders, when the religious leaders saw this and they heard this, they were indignant. They were indignant. And that word indignant means that they were angry, they were resentful, they were irritated at this. They should have been rejoicing over these people that were coming and getting ministered to. They should have been rejoicing over the children in the church, in, 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 the, in the temple rejoicing. One of, the, one of the highlights of my ministry, one of my highlights here is whenever, whenever we finish up the service and I get to see little Annabelle or little Olivia running down the aisle of the church. What a great expression of praise is. Let the little children come. Let them come. We should be welcoming the children. We should be welcoming the youth. We should be welcoming those people into the church. We should be doing that. These individuals should have been rejoicing, but they were irritated. Why was that? Because they saw these individuals as a hindrance. These people did not meet a certain criteria. They were unclean. They were outcasts. They should not have been able to be there. They didn't fit the decorum. And children, they were unruly. They were undisciplined. They sometimes make noises. And we don't want them to disrupt what we're doing. They were shouting. Look at what they were shouting. Hosanna to the Son of David. God saves. God saves. That's what they were shouting. But the religious leader said, they're not following the rules. Uh, they're not maintaining the decorum. They're not following the rules of conduct that we are to have in a worship setting. You see what had happened with the religious leaders of the day? They had reduced their faith to a set of rules to follow. They had reduced their faith to a, 
to a tradition to maintain. They reduce their faith to a, a set of requirements or, or to regulations or to a certain way that things were done. They considered themselves righteous because they observed the rules. They considered themselves righteous because they followed these commands, uh, these regulations they placed on them. As a matter of fact, the, the Bible says that the religious leaders had placed so many rules and so many regulations and so many restrictions upon the law that the people couldn't even find God in the midst of it. And some of the harshest criticism that Jesus had to give was not to prostitutes, not the tax collectors, not the drunkards, not to adulterers. It was to the religious leaders of his day. Because he says, you will travel the entire world to find one convert to what you believe. And when you do, you've made him more a child of hell than you are. That's coming from Jesus. He says, these people are self-righteous. And listen, he does the same thing today. Jesus rebukes the self-righteous, those individuals that have reduced religion down to a set of rules. They've reduced religion down to an externals that they do, but they have forgotten the internals of religion. You see what they've done? They have protected themselves from those outside whom they consider sinners, but they haven't recognized their own need for Jesus in their own life. And so in their desire to protect themselves, they've excluded people from entry into the kingdom. They've excluded people from receiving Jesus because they do not fit their standards. They do not measure up. They think that their salvation is based upon what they do, upon the rules that they keep when they forget that Jesus is the author of all salvation. So Jesus can rebukes the self-righteous in biblical times, and guess what? Jesus is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore, and he still rebukes the self-righteous today. So we've seen that Jesus challenges men's misconceptions. He confronts the secularism. He also rebukes the self-righteous. There's one more truth I want you to grasp. Jesus came to offer peace. Jesus came to offer peace. Jesus did not come into Jerusalem with a military entourage. He did not come riding in on a, on a silver, on a white horse. He did not come in, come in in a blazing chariot. He came in on a donkey, on the foal of a donkey. And Jesus was making his way to the cross. And it's on the cross that he established peace. First with man and God, and second with men and and men. He established peace on this world. The people desired deliverance from oppression. Jesus came to deliver them from the oppression of sin. Jesus came to deliver them from the problem of sin in their life. Many people, they wanted to, they wanted to escape their circumstances. They wanted to escape what they were in at that moment. But Jesus didn't come to do that. He came to offer peace. And he came to offer peace through a cross. Jesus said in John 16, he said, I have told you these things so that in, in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. 
On the day that King Jesus rode into Jerusalem, God presented his peace plan to a shattered world. At that moment, he said, here is the way to peace. This is the way you're going to find peace in your heart. This is the way you're going to find peace in your family. This is the way you're going to find peace on earth. This is the way you're going to find peace in your religious establishments. It's going to be through Jesus Christ. It's going to be through the Prince of Peace. He is our peace. He offers peace to all who are troubled, to all who are going through trials, to all who are going through difficulties. It's true, there's still a few battles to be fought. But Jesus has already won the victory, and He's brought peace into the world. Now, perhaps you're listening today, and you're going through your own struggles. You're going through your own trials, and you're asking questions. God, I don't know why I'm going through this. God, I don't understand why this is happening in my life. Maybe you're going through this coronavirus scare. You feel isolated. You feel alone. And maybe you're wondering, where is God in all this? I want you to know God is the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. He is still on His throne. This did not catch God by surprise. And God will be there for you. God did not promise you that you'd be immune from the difficulties of life. But He did say that He will be with you through the difficulties of life. So maybe you're one of those individuals that you have misconceptions about King Jesus. You're struggling. I want you to know that Jesus, Jesus can challenge your misconceptions. He can change your heart. Maybe you're an individual steeped in secularism. You think the, the next answer is a bigger paycheck. Your next answer is to have more money, a bigger bank account, a bigger car, a bigger house, a bigger ring. Maybe that's your answer. And I want you to know that God can bring peace in the midst of your secularism. Maybe you're, you're an individual that you have a self-righteous attitude. Can you just be honest with yourself and say you think you're just a little bit holier than everybody else? You think you're just a little bit better than everyone else? I want you to know that Jesus can rebuke yourself, your, uh, your self-righteousness. And He can offer peace in your heart. He offers this peace, but He only offers it in one way, and that's through a cross. You're going to have to deny yourself. And you're going to have to take up his cross and follow him. That's the only way you're going to find peace. Peace with God and peace with one another. It's going to be through a cross. Matthew quoted a scripture from the Old Testament prophet Zechariah. The passage is found in Zechariah 9, verse 9. Unfortunately, Matthew didn't quote it exactly right. He omitted a couple of phrases. Let me read it to you. This is what Zechariah 9, 9 says. It says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation. That's the part that was added. Righteous and having salvation. Gentle and riding on a donkey. The foal of a donkey. Zechariah the prophet said that your king rides into Jerusalem, righteous and and having salvation. He comes to you today to offer you salvation. He comes to you in, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of this virus, in the midst of the problems you're experiencing in life right now. I want you to know, my dear friend, 
that God offers you salvation through Jesus Christ. All you have to do is accept Him. So why not lay your misconceptions aside? Lay aside your secularism that that drives a wedge between you and God and and get rid of even your self-righteous attitude that hinders a true relationship with Jesus Christ and come to the Prince of Peace today. Do you want peace in your life? Do you want peace in your heart? Then Jesus tells you today, come to Him. Come to Him. Embrace this one who entered into Jerusalem triumphantly as King of kings and Lord of lords and went to the cross to die for you and to die for me because He loved you so much that He wanted you to have peace with God and peace with one another.